Sally should share a story about what's happening locally as well, just so that you can see that this stuff is also happening with Sally and with us as the church behind it. So Sally's just going to share. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody already that are involved in CAP. Now, that might be giving, that might be praying, that might be welcoming people that come into the church, that might just be caring, and caring is a big factor. And the reason why I say that is because when you go into someone's home and they've never seen you in your life before, and you go in with such care, they just can't believe that, let alone with that, with the practical help. It's massive. And... It is so massive that there's so many stories. I can't stand here all day and tell you all of them. But what I've done today is I've got one story that I do want to share with you. And um, and I think actually when I share this story, it would just really highlight to you maybe somebody you might even know yourself that's in a similar situation that needs help. So I, when I get a referral, when I get contact for new clients, it comes through um, to the head office at Bradford. It's a free phone number. And then I get a number that comes through for me to contact that client. At the moment, I'm fully booked up to the end of March. That's a new person every week. And most of them, I've never seen them in my life before. So it's a real privilege to do this job. This one time, I went into a home... I met up with a guy, and I always have a befriender with me or a support worker with me that are volunteers from the church. And some of you volunteers are sitting here, and I'm really grateful for that because that makes my job a lot easier. So anyway, this one time I I went into this home, and I met up with this guy, and bless him, he couldn't even hold up his head. Um, It was just so sad. Um, his head was held down he looked completely helpless and he actually got his referral from the doctor's surgery Um, and he was just he was just at his wit's end he couldn't sleep properly he was stressed you could tell when he was in conversation he was like this continuously he had um, he had such an isolation in his life that he felt that no one cared as I mentioned earlier, we went in there and we cared. That opened the door for him to share. Whilst we were in there, I'm collecting paperwork, and sometimes uh, some people are so scared about debts, they just get rid of their paperwork because they don't want to see it. Other people just pile it up and pile it up and pile it up. And bless him, he had this paperwork in a black bin liner, literally in front of me, and he said, I can't look at it, I'm too scared. So that's fine, that's my job, that's what I do. I look at your paperwork now and with that, you could see, but like, oh, thank goodness for that. And his little head was held up. And, um, and I said, you're doing really well because I'm deaf and I lip read and I need to see your face. With, th- with that, bless him, he was like... <laughs> so it was really nice, his little confidence came through. But anyway, during that time, he, um, he started talking about how he'd got into debt. And sadly, through loneliness, he got into debt purely by having less hours at work, um, not being able to keep on top of his rent. Within a couple of weeks, he was in the process of being evicted from his home. And uh, during that time, because he didn't know what to do, he just got caught up on the computer doing gambling. 
and looking for ways to escape his world, his very depressive world as well. And through that as well, his diet has gone completely down, very weak, very thin, because he's been pouring all his money into the debt and spending £10 a month on food. So things were really desperate. But that's painting the picture of how desperate it was. Now I'm going to paint the picture of what's happened. So praise God, he didn't get evicted from his home. Um, He didn't get evicted from his home. They managed to sort it out over the telephone, even before getting in the process of agreeing payments, which was a miracle in itself. And they were very understanding because they have good contact with CAP. CAP deals with lots of different people, different utilities. And so they've already got that relationship. So they had a great great conversation. Yes, we're going to support this guy. We want to help him through this. We're going to go on the journey with him. And that's what we do. That's what I do. I go on the journey with them to help them to get debt free. This guy is still going through the process. And he keeps to it every month and he actually amazed me because when we were on the telephone and we were chatting and he now asked me to pray because whenever I go on a visit I always say is it okay if we start with prayer and all the clients I've seen they've only been one that said no thank you very much um, but everyone else has said oh go on then and then by the end of it you're praying again like, wow this is amazing and so what I do as well, just to say something else, I actually send out a text message and say to clients, would you like us to pay for anything? And this particular guy will contact now and say, please can you pay about this? Please can you pay about that? And one day I felt it was right to phone him up. So I phoned him up and I said, yeah, I'm happy to pay for it, but can I pay over the phone? And while we were praying over the phone, he became a Christian. And he now goes to his local church. And he's not lonely anymore. He's out all the time. It's hard to catch up with him these days. He's got a completely different life. He looks so well that every now and again he comes to different events and he'll be telling everybody else, you really should be doing cap. You really should be doing that. This is what it's done for me and this is what it can do for you. And it's amazing because there's so many stories like that. But actually you guys have made that difference. If I wasn't, you know, I wouldn't do this job, I wouldn't be able to do this job without you lot, really. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, because I love what I do, but I love the fact that I've got a church behind me helping me and supporting me. So thank you. Lena just reminded me that maybe it would be a good idea for me to share some of the statistics. So, at the moment to date, we have 22 clients debt-free. Last year alone, we avoided nine evictions. And when you're at home at Christmas, you're thinking to yourself, that's nine people that are not homeless on the street, literally. I'd love more of that. I'm quite greedy. So, um, and so, and also we've had, um, yeah, 22 clients that have either recommitted or become Christians as well. And some of them come here, some of them go to other churches, or some of them have said yes to Jesus, but aren't quite at the church stage yet, but they've definitely said yes to Jesus. Keep praying 
Your prayers make a difference. And I'm so grateful for the church and the worship and standing here in the presence of God. Because that's what helps us when we go into people's homes. It's giving people hope. And we really need to paint that church picture as a church that we, God gives hope. And if we believe it in ourselves, then it makes it so much easier when we go into people's lives. Thanks, Sally. Okay, so um, you might have heard these stories and some of you here might identify with them. Um, it could be that that's your experience, that at the moment you're struggling financially. So please, can, can you speak to Sally if that's the case? If you need to be um, helped by CAP, then yeah, please do go and see Sally. Um, to be honest with you, I... Um, thank you. To be honest with you, I didn't think that this sort of poverty was ever seen in the West. So I'm from Kurdistan and um, I lived in Kurdistan as a very young child and I remember seeing poverty because it was, I guess, a, a war-struck war country um, and I was there during the Gulf War and I remember the during the Gulf War having one meal that was anything just was so delicious and um, and I used to hate beans but I remember having a bean soup and thinking this is the best thing I've ever eaten um, and it's funny because I don't have much I don't have many memories of my childhood but I remember the taste of those that bean soup um, so I know that well, I guess I, I, I've experienced some sort of poverty but it was a bit of a shock to me to hear some of these stories to go along and help at Food Bank and hear some of the experiences that people have in this day and age in London but today is a reminder for us that, um, that, that this sort of poverty does exist here in London um, I'm sure many of you might know family and friends as well who have experienced this. If you don't, I think the shocking reality is that you could be sitting on the train tomorrow morning and the person next to you wants to commit suicide because they're so badly in debt. The shocking reality is that it could be that you don't know that your next door neighbours haven't had a meal today um, and you've been so blessed that you can indulge in a meal. And sometimes that really... Sh- it, it, just really does something in my heart where I think, wow, that is shocking that in this day and age in the West, this is what is happening. Um, it's a good reminder today as Cap Sunday to, to, to know that actually we are behind something really great as a church. Um, hearing Sally's statistics and stories, I think it's just amazing that we're able to um, yeah, help people not to be evicted from their homes, to know that people are coming and joining um, communities and families where there's loneliness, that they're not in debt anymore. And um, it's just amazing. Um, so for that purpose, when Sally and I met, we were so excited by some of these stories that we were sharing together that, and the way that God turned something so awful and difficult and sad into something so beautiful. So the end of Sally's story about this guy was, it's just something so beautiful. So we wanted to call this sermon Beauty for Ashes. Um, because in the Old Testament... Uh, when someone was mourning or sorrowful, uh, just in a difficult time, what they did was they, they would just lie in a pile of ashes. And so if you just get a picture of that, you know, that in the sadness, you just lie in a pile of dust. Um, there's nothing beautiful about that. It's so sad if you're thinking of that image. Um, and... God says that he wants to take people from that place and he wants to, the verses, uh, the, the scripture is in Isaiah 61 where it says he will give um, 
a beautiful headdress um, f- instead of the ashes. Um, and, I, and I really love that. And for that reason, we're going to look at um, the scripture today. Because Jesus refers to this Isaiah prophecy to talk about himself. And so let's look at Luke 4, uh, verse 16 to 21. So we'll just read that together. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written... The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus has just returned from um, the wilderness and in the power of the spirit because he's been tempted with every temptation uh, by the devil, everything that's been thrown at him. And he um, has resisted all of, all of that. And he comes back and he's readied in the spirit to fulfill this scripture of Isaiah. Um, and he is announcing what his character is. He's announcing his office and his mission, which we're going to look at, um, and his promise, which is what, similar to what Sally was saying, it's of having a transformed people. He wants a people that are full of glory, that are full of joy, that are full of light, and that are full of excitement. And I love seeing that in you guys, my church. And this is, this is what God wants. He wants his church, he wants his people to be full of that. And that's so amazing that that's us, that's his people. And... It takes something to get to that place, which is what Jesus does and what he wants to do through us. Um, So Jesus is saying that his mission is to preach good news to the poor, is to deliver the captives, to restore sight to the blind, and to lift up the downtrodden. And that mission is just as relevant today as it was then when Jesus spoke it. So firstly, let's look at the good news. So I'm sure most of you here will be familiar with John 3.16. So I'm sure you can read it with me because it's going to come up behind me. So let's all say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that is really good news, isn't it? It's very good news because we're so loved by God our Father and he wants a relationship with us today. So even if you don't have a relationship with him today, you need to know that he really wants a relationship with you. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die in our place for our sin. See, our sin, it keeps us from God's presence and it keeps us from eternal life. And we were destined to go to hell for our sins. We're the ones who should be punished for our sins, for our wrong. But Jesus took that upon himself and it was nailed to him on the cross. And it's so good to know that when we believe in that, when we put our trust in that, when we follow Jesus, 
when we repent from that way of life that he comes and he saves us and he rescues us and um, I've had a few conversations with people recently I've just been so struck that I, I wake up in the morning and I'm just overwhelmed that I have been because I've been rescued I've been made a child of God so I wake up and think wow I'm a child of God and it's the best thing to know that deep inside where the Holy Spirit reveals to you that I am a child of God um, and my prayer is that you would know that over and over again, that in the morning you wake up, you just know I'm a child of God. And it's just such an amazing thing. Um, so back to Jesus's uh, mission of preaching the good news. Um, it seems that his primary focus was to preach the good news to the poor and the needy. Um, I love it. You know, the the um, when he says the, the blessed, you know, the the blessed uh, teachings. So he says, blessed are the poor. Um, which means the poor will be happy. Um, and it seems that God's heart is really moved by the poor and by, by need because he knows when people are desperate and he's moved by that because he is God. He's the father who wants to rescue, he wants to deliver, and he wants to provide for. Um, and Jesus is moved by that sort of that human state uh, where people don't have other wants that are more important than him. Um, and actually, that's the spiritual condition that he's looking for today. So even if you're sitting here today and you think, well, um, does, is God moved by me? Because I'm not poor. Actually, he's really moved by you if you're poor in spirit. Because he wants that condition where nothing else comes above him. Where your wants and your needs aren't as important as your desperation for more of him. And that's, that's the place that he wants you to be in. Um, and this is actually the gospel message to us as well. This is the good news, is that um, some of you might have not experienced the, this debt, this bankruptcy, this sort of poverty that people in these videos are talking about, that Sally's been sharing. But spiritually, we were all in debt before God. And we can never repay him for the price that he's paid for us when he died on the cross in our place. But it's the free gift that he's given us to save us. And we can receive that free gift of salvation um, when we realize that we are spiritually poor. And nothing that we, we do, our own works, it can't save us but him alone. Um, I think that's really good news. And secondly... As I've said, he's concerned about the captives, and that's his mission. So a captive is a prisoner of war. To be captive is to be enslaved to, uh, by Satan in habits, in attitudes, in lifestyles. And, um, you know, once we were all captive to sin and in darkness, and we couldn't escape from that. Um, and it's so good to know that Jesus came and he set us free. It's taken us out of that darkness. Um, but captivity isn't just a spirit, in a spiritual sense. Um, even hearing Salah's stories about cat, people can be liberated from the captivity of the oppression of debt collectors. You know, hearing, hearing the story of people um, not being able to open their doors, that oppression that people feel. Actually, there is a mission to liberate people from that as well. Um, and... Um, as I was preparing this, I really felt like there are people here who have a heart for that, to um, deliver people um, from captivity in terms of being stirred to, to see um, uh, 
particular systems that have been put into place, um, sort of fighting against that and praying against that and seeing people liberated against that. And just to encourage you again, if that's been something that's been on your heart in the past, please feel stirred again in faith that um, that's a mission for, for you. God is calling you to that. If he's put that dream on your heart, feel stirred again. Thirdly, the mission of Jesus was to proclaim to all who were blind that their sight would be recovered. Um, and I just love reading that, you know, Jesus went around and he healed there and he performed miracles there. And everywhere he went, people were just being totally transformed. And, um, yeah, and, and that included the blind. But it's also um, not primarily a reference to, to physical blindness, but also spiritual blindness. Because Jesus' mission is to... Um, it's to take away that sort of spiritual blindness and reveal himself to us. I love the um, Samaritan woman at the well story um, because she comes and she questions Jesus, not knowing who he is. And over time, over the gradual conversation, the way that Jesus just does it so beautifully, her sight is slowly uncovered and she starts to, to think, who is this man? To the point that it leads her to run back to her town and bring many. And it says that many in that town were saved by hearing and uh, the good news that Jesus preached to them. And I just think that, that, you know, that shows something of what Jesus does. He recovers spiritual blindness. He shows himself to us. And fourthly, the mission of Jesus was to lift up the downtrodden. These are the broken, those who've been bruised by life um, and need to be freed from the oppression as well. Um, and I just thought of a story, you know, before I was thinking about this sort of being broken, and I know that many of you here will have stories about, in your own stories will be that of just feeling so broken and Jesus comes and he binds you and he puts you together again. And um, I just remembered a story that before I was a Christian, um, as a young teenager, I used to cry myself to sleep most nights. And I just thought it was normal because I felt so low and depressed most of the time. And then after I became a Christian, Davina was discipling me. And I, this is a couple of years after being a Christian, having the conversation of her just, you know, so naturally just saying, oh, yeah, you know, I still cry myself to sleep most nights. And it really struck her. And she said, you know, that's not normal um, to do that. And um, I thought, yeah, that, that's not normal. And after um, her just speaking truth over me and praying for me, and even just that sense of speaking that out loud, that something that I thought was such a normal lifestyle, you know, I thought that having that brokenness and that habit of doing those things was so normal. Just speaking that out loud um, just broke something in me. And um, it was just amazing that after that, I didn't go to sleep worried about my past, scared of things that had happened, uh, feeling so broken and lost. But actually God came and he brought a freedom and he brought healing. And I was able to go to bed full of joy in my heart because the Holy Spirit worked that in me to, 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 re to reveal to me that actually I, I can celebrate who he is and go to bed with joy in my heart. Um, so just, just to encourage you with that story that he does, he does bind up the broken. And so this is, all, all, all these things, these four points that I've made, is what God does, and it's his beauty for ashes. He knows the need, and he goes way beyond that you can imagine. Uh, and he just wants us to call on his name, and he goes way beyond we can imagine. And he really does do amazing things in our lives and bring transformation. Um, and earlier we read John 3.16, uh, talking about, 
God's amazing love for us. Now let's read 1 John 3.16 because I think it gives us our response to what, what we do as Christians with this amazing love. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So when we are truly transformed by this love, when we let it sink deep in, when we know this amazing good news, our response is to give this free gift back by laying our lives down for our brothers. And that's how we love. We pour ourselves out for people, for the broken, for the poor, uh, for the blind, for the captives. And this isn't, you know, when I read the word brothers, I thought, oh, maybe that means just for for my church, because, you know, I love doing that for my family, you know, being hospitable and um, laying my life down for them. Um, But actually, I just remembered that John John 3.16, which I read earlier, Jesus is saying that he laid down his life for those who didn't know them, so that none may perish and we lay down our lives for, for, the, for the broken. We lay down our lives for the lost. We lay down our lives for the needy and the poor and the captives. We lay our lives down for each other, for those who need it. Um, it's just a sense of really pouring ourselves out for people and showing love like Jesus did. And I know that you might hear Sally's stories um, and think, well, that's just Sally's experience. You know, she's so blessed. She works for CAP. Um, but I, I work in an office and... I don't get to experience those things. It's just so busy. It's nine to five. uh, Or, you know, like me, I'm a busy mum or or a busy dad. And I rush around. I take the kids to school. I have to do this. I don't have time to stop for the poor, to think about who's really needy, who needs to hear this good news, who needs me to to love them and, and, and lay my life down for them. Um, or you might be a student and uh, love being in the library and there's not enough time to speak to people because the books are really important. Um, but I think actually the amazing thing is that we don't all have to totally abandon our jobs. We don't have to ad- abandon what we're called to and our lifestyles. We don't have to abandon everything and give up all our, uh, everything that we have, all our money, all our jobs, because we're serving the poor. But actually, what, what, we, what, what the challenge is, is... Um, sorry, I've lost my point. Um, uh, okay, sorry. So the amazing thing is that we can start off by being totally transformed by the message of the gospel. Um, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Um, And that's how amazing it is, is that we can come into God's presence. We can have a revelation of his good news, of the gospel. And out of that place, we in turn pour out with that overflow of love and, and revelation of the good news. And I don't know about you, but I get really stirred when I hear uh, stories about God, uh, great moves of God that are happening. So I don't know if you like ever read revival books or where there's been an outpour of the Holy Spirit. And I just think, oh, I want to be there. I want to hear. Well, what did they do for that to happen? I, I want that to happen for me every day and for the church. And um, so that's why when I read Phil Moore's book, Gagging Jesus, I, I think some of you have read it here because I've seen it lying around loads of people's houses, um, that section that really challenged me was this he says the church has always been unstoppable whenever she has demonstrated the gospel by loving the poor the last great revival in europe and america was led by william booth and the salvation army 
So we need to note the reason given by his biographers for why his revival advances so powerfully. And this is the reason his biographers give. William Booth, his principal message was that the importance of not attempting, before the remedy was applied, to distinguish between the deserving and the undeserving poor. So when we see the need around us, when we see brokenness and poverty and we see people captive, it's not our place to judge what person deserves it more than the other. But sometimes I think, I speak for myself as well, we can be so blind and, and judge with eyes of our own that we forget actually wherever there is a need and there is a desperation. That's exactly what Jesus would have done. He wouldn't have judged um, who deserved my help and who doesn't deserve my help. And um, I want to see a great move of God. As well as knowing that I've really honoured God, and that's why the next next verses that are going to go up really challenged me when I read it. And I don't think I've ever really known them before. So Matthew 25, verses 35 to 40. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, says Jesus. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So God is saying that how we treat the poor reveals what we truly think about him. God sees our heart towards him by the way that we treat the poor around us. He sees our heart towards him by the way that we treat captives, by the way we treat the blind, by the way that we treat the broken. How we treat the poor reveals what we think of the gospel. Isn't that, that, that really struck me, you know, that our understanding of the gospel is shown, the revelation that we've had of the gospel is shown through the way that we treat the poor. So our mission is the same as Jesus's, isn't it? It's to reach, to the poor, to reach out to the poor, to preach to the poor, to deliver the captives, to restore sight to the blind, and to lift up the downtrodden. And I just want you to look around at each other. I love looking around at the church. And I've never stood here before. It's even more beautiful from the front. So um, I love looking at, at the church. I love looking at my brothers and sisters. And I think, wow, you are God's people. We are God's people. And can I just say you're very beautiful from here. Um, and sometimes I look around and I get really excited and think, wow, I know some of your stories and I know what God has done. I know where some of you have come from and I know the amazing victories you've got in Christ. And it really stirs my heart. But sometimes I look around and I think there's still more to happen. And if you're like me, you probably sit there and daydream and think, ah, oh, I'd love this sort of people to, re- to be represented here. Um, for me, it's the elderly. I think I'd love to have more elderly people here because I'd love for us to pour our hearts out for serving them and loving them. But in return, what I love is they can be intercessors for us. They can intercede for those of us who are going out and, um, yeah, and... and 
preaching the gospel. And so and so. So as you just looked around, I want you just to think and to dream, who is it that I want represented here? What is my heart and my dream? And even just hearing some of the stuff about um, yeah, loving the poor and the captives and the downtrodden and the blind. What stirred your heart? Who is it that you would like represented here, that you would like to be a part of your church family? And as you just think about that, Sally's got a prophetic word that she wanted to share. Um, so if you can come up, Sally, that would be great. Yeah, Lena was saying about us meeting together, and um, it was exciting, wasn't it? Um, and when we met, met together, um, God was speaking about lots of things about the sermon and everything but one of the things that God spoke to me about was that um, just hold on yeah I just felt like God was saying that he wanted to remind people that have had a heart for the poor whatever that looks like for you personally and I felt like God was saying that don't lose sight of what he'd given you as a promise so some of you have been given promises to fulfil doing that sort of area, whatever that is. I'm not sure what it is. But you know yourself personally. And I felt like God was saying, don't lose sight of what is planted in your heart. And um, if something in you today has been stirred, like, yeah, I did have that. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, I want it again, but I don't know what that looks like. Or I don't know how to go. And sometimes when God gives us something like that, it's really good to get together with people to pray. And I'm, I'm very happy to pray with you at the end. Very happy to. But it could be that actually today you don't want to have prayer. You might want to have prayer in your groups uh, and your GCs. But if you do want to have prayer today, I'm very happy to pray with you. But don't lose sight of what God has given you. Because he spoke to you about that for a reason. Um, and sometimes we try and work it out in our heads... That's another thing that God was telling me. We try and work it out in our heads. But actually God says, no, don't do that. Because it's me that gave you to you. And it's me that will keep that promise in you. And it's me that will help you on that journey. So it's not something you've got to do yourself. God is really in it. So just to encourage you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Sally's just going to pray for us. And if the band could come up. Um, then we could go into praise. Yeah. Father, I thank you that you speak life into us, that you that you give promises, that you you are the one that really cares about all the details in our life, but more than anything, Father, you are the one that says go. You are the one that says, I want you to do this in this group of people. I want you to bring these people into church. Lord, I pray that you will stir people's hearts and help them to know that those promises are from you and that you are the one that speaks life into people, a sense of your belief. And if it means that certain people here have to step out in faith, then let them do that, Lord. And let us as a church support them well. And let us love the people coming in well. And let us have your heart and fulfil those promises that you've put in people's hearts. Thank you, Father. Amen.